Corinne. The angel from my nightmare. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We've been listening to some emo music at work, so I'm I'm like back in the early 2000s. Oh, love it. That was my favorite time. I really embraced it. I cut my own bangs. I wore way too light a foundation that my face was nearly white. Oh yeah. I great. only did eyeliner on my bottom lid. Oh my God. So good. That was rough. Good times. <laughs> and let's not forget the choker competitions where you just wear a choker and sleep in it and eat in it and breathe in it and shower in it until it fell off. Yeah. Oh, I did that. Things were a little bit more grimy back then. But today we are a little bit cleaner, I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't showered since. No, no, I did shower. I body showered. I didn't wash my hair. In feet. Okay. That's different. Did you wash your feet? I wash my feet. I now wash my feet. Good. Because I was shamed into it. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to sound weird, but I think of you every day in the shower (laughs) because I think of you while I wash my feet. (laughs) I always go, I wonder if Sabrina washed her feet today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so honored. (sighs) You're always in my thoughts. This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. I'm Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina. And my name is Corinne. <laughs> I did it on purpose. <laughs> and Leah's over here. And Nick, all day today, has been pitching his ideas of his new segments. Yeah, he's really... 2020 is the year of Nick on the podcast in his mind. It really is. <laughs> he, he was so... He just... He was so excited. He was... He's standing in my doorway right now. For people who don't know... If you're just tuning into Two Girls, One Ghost, we are bi-coastal. Sabrina's in Los Angeles and I live in Boston. And so we FaceTime or Google Hangout rather or whatever means of whatever the ghosts want us to use Technologies working for us that day. Yeah. Often it's different. But when I when I got on the video call with you, what, three minutes ago, Nick was sitting right next to you, really eager to pitch his ideas until you kicked him out. I said, I said he is more than welcome to come on the show if one, he gets me another cat, and two, if he becomes our intern and does things for the podcast. Yeah. Nick should be in charge of our inbox. Oh my God. That is a heavy task. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> come on, Nick. Uh, quit your day job, Nick. If Nick helps us in our inbox, he doesn't have to get you another cat. How about that? Ooh. How many emails do we have? Like 8,000? A lot, but people should still email us because even though there's a plethora, we search keywords, we pop into as many as we can to read them. So no email is left untouched in terms of its use for encounters. Yes. And we read, like every episode, we pick emails from a wide range of dates like i'm i think i have like three from 2018 yeah a couple from last month one from sometime last year it is so weird that we've been doing this for two and a half years it is pretty weird speaking of weird i'm at my parents house which i'm getting i'm trying to get myself in the habit of saying my parents house instead of my house because i know in five years from now they're gonna rip my heart out and sell it so i'm trying to get used to like you're disassociating detach detach yourself um (laughs) But we are 
the the first floor has wood floors and so my parents have to get them refinished which means that you basically have to move all of your furniture and everything that's touching the floor out so that uh. people can come in and like resand and gloss or whatever the proper terminology is however because we have created so much movement in the home and because it kind of probably would appear to a spirit that we might be moving out because that's what it looks like because mm. we're moving stuff out of the first floor ever since i got here on friday I have seen multiple times a day, just like a little zip out of the corner of my eye. I keep thinking like it's one of my family members or it's like a spider or bug or something. And it's just, it's like the same little colored, it's like a kind of dark colored, just like a little Hmm. black sort of zip. I wonder if it's mad that you're moving or it would be excited because it's like i got the house to myself i would like to think that it's upset and that's why it's like wait where are you going now wait what room are you in that's how i like to think of it yeah but then like it's in your what if it's in your room right now and wouldn't that make you feel uncomfortable (sighs) well i don't know it's i'm you know that i'm so back and forth when it comes to the paranormal (laughs) sometimes i'm like yeah be my friend let's hold hands i don't care if you're in my room and other times i'm like i'm shitting myself who am I? Why did I create this life for myself? And they're like, Corinne, you're sending us mixed signals. I don't know what to do. It is. And I buy it and you as well. We're all in this together. Super confused. Don't know which direction to go. And yet we move forward. We do. Thinking that that's the correct direction. Have you seen the news about Bigfoot? The news? No. The news that two men claim to have spotted Bigfoot in Salt Fork State Park, which is in eastern Ohio, which is actually where my dad hunts. So he is the one that showed it to me because he was like, hey, there's Bigfoot sighting where I hunt. Oh, my gosh. So did you book your flight? No, I'm scared. (laughs) Well, I have a few thoughts. Okay. Number one. Okay, well, going back to my dad hunting there. So my dad hunts there like every single year, and I feel like he has for the past 10 years. And he Mm -hmm. said he's never seen anything, and he doesn't know anyone who's seen anything because I asked him. But he did say that like ever since he's been hunting there, people always talk about the grass man. Like there's a rumor about like the grass man, which is basically Bigfoot, like another name for Bigfoot. Hmm. However, you have to watch the video too. But there is a video that was uploaded by these two guys who basically went into the woods with the intention of finding Bigfoot. They have really high definition cameras. And so already I'm like, "Ah, this setup is different than what we're used to with like the grainy from afar Bigfoot video. Right, right. And so everyone, there's a lot of hype about it and everyone's like, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. But I have a few issues with the video and I feel bad for Bigfoot if this is really a Bigfoot and I'm discrediting this bigfoot but i just don't think it's real and that's okay it's okay like but it's very like it walks like a person like and and maybe a bigfoot has the same sort of gait and everything as humans but it walks like a person and not only that but it walks like a person who's not used to walking in that terrain and is kind of like stepping with hesitation and and trying to like make sure that they don't lose their footing oh and then it's also like peeking around the tree and then like quickly hiding behind the tree which is not if bigfoot is unlike humans and if we're just assuming bigfoot is much more of like an animal if you're in the woods and you come across an animal let's say like a deer or like a rabbit or something if you make eye contact with an animal, it's not thinking, oh, let me hide myself behind this tree. Let me like peek right. peek away so that they don't see me. That's a human thing. But animals, they just freeze. 
Like if I don't move an inch, I'll blend in with my surroundings. And that is not what this person in a Bigfoot costume did. And so I have a problem with their acting. I am watching the video right now. It's 10 minutes long. I would love for everyone else to watch it and give their feedback. How many times did you watch it? Once, but very closely. Yeah, it totally does look like a human. Yes. I also expected Bigfoot to be bigger. But not only that, it's just the way that the Bigfoot is moving around its space. And like they spend, there's like too much footage of them being way too close. And the other thing is like this Bigfoot is really close to these guys and they're not freaking out. They're still like crunching on leaves. They're still talking way too loudly to each other. If you were actually in front of this creature, I don't care if you're like an experienced hunter, if you have a weapon on you or anything, you're at least going to be really quiet and you are not going to be stepping on twigs and whatnot to get closer to it. And these guys, I believe, were not armed. Right. And it's, I just have some issues with this video. You're, you're very right in the way that you said that it's very delicate about where it's stepping, which like signals that they're not familiar with the terrain. Right. And Bigfoot, I feel like, would be very familiar with it. Exactly. And also my other thing is animals can have many different types of calls. However, they go into a cave and they're filming in the cave and the noise that comes out of the cave is really like a like a weird high-pitched really spooky thing but then when they're right in front of the bigfoot suddenly the call turns into what sounds kind of like a person going (laughs) those are two different i mean maybe bigfoot have has different calls i don't know it was really exciting and i was so excited when my dad was like they found bigfoot where i hunt (laughs) and he i don't think he had seen the video but then i was disappointed to see that it was a 12 minute long acting stunt you know him better than anyone so i trust your judgment that is not my boy's walk that's not his attitude that's not the way he moves about the space he's a confident (laughs) creature he is and that was not him no i believe that and that is my ted talk about the bigfoot (laughs) video well it is exciting news you you can't believe everything you hear on the news no you can't but you can believe in yourself and i believe in you and i believe in you all right, so this is what we're here for, the ghost stories. The ghost stories. And this week, our Patreon donor, Charlie, picked our topic, and I'm very excited about it. It is haunted hotels in New York City specifically. Yes, I think Charlie was somewhat inspired by the amount of time you spend in New York, specifically living in hotels, Sabrina. So, And I will say, Charlie, I am very glad that I didn't have to do this while I was living in a hotel in New York because I would have been freaked out. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. I don't know where you stay, but I wish I'd found out. Just just in case you – I don't think you stay where I picked, but just in case I probably should have asked. I have the craziest story about the place I picked. Okay. It Go for it. So, it's so great. It, like, blows my mind. I chose to do the Chelsea Hotel, which is in New York. And do you remember that time last summer, July – whatever day it was, where we did a show in New York City at the Gotham Comedy Club. I feel like it was like July 14th or something. I think you're right. I can tell you, oh, I was right. It's July. It was July 14th. That was a Sunday. And that's what, yep. There we go. So July 14th, you and I walked to the Gotham Comedy Club. We and did. And do you remember that it there was scaffolding all over in the front entrance of the Gotham Comedy Club and the building directly next to the Gotham Comedy Club? I remember nothing. I black out for two days before shows. 
Corinne, you have to remember this. Remember we took the photo in front of Gotham Comedy Club and there was all the scaffolding? Oh, no. <laughs> Just pretend for my sake. Okay, okay, I do. <laughs> I'll remember when I look back on pictures. Anyway, there was a building right next to the Gotham Comedy Club that had scaffolding and it led right over at Gotham Comedy Club. And guess what freaking building it was? What? The Chelsea Hotel. Oh, wait. Okay, things are coming back to me. I remember I remember being near the Chelsea Hotel. And it is crazy because the Chelsea Hotel is incredibly haunted. So the entire time we were doing our live show at the Gotham Comedy Club, which shares the walls with the Chelsea Hotel, we were doing our live show with tons and tons of ghosts. No freaking way. I'm so excited. I was so excited. I And I had no idea. I was doing all my research and I was like finishing it up. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a look at Google Maps. I found the pig. I found the scaffolding. I found <laughs> and I was looking at Google Maps and Corinne, I'm, I'm walking on the street with my like perspective guy. And all of a sudden, right next to the Chelsea Hotel, as I'm looking at it, I see the Gotham Comedy Club. And I was like, oh, how, no, how did we not know? <laughs> no. Uh, this happens to us too much. And it's so crazy. The hotel has such a crazy history and there are so many ghosts there and famous ghosts not just like normal everyday ghosts like famous people ghosts so basically therefore we are famous with the famous ghosts oh i like that (laughs) that is my just extrapolating from nothing yes that is how fame is achieved (laughs) you get the ghosts on your side and then there you go (laughs) uh okay so the chelsea hotel It was built between 1883 and 1885 on West 23rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenues, right next to the Gotham Comedy Club, and it's known as the Hotel Chelsea or the Chelsea Hotel or just simply the Chelsea, and it's a New York City landmark and on the National Register of Historic Places. As you know, New York has beautiful architecture, but this building is stunning. It's just like amazing. If you think Queen Anne Revival meets Victorian Gothic, it has It's a 12-story red brick building, which has these like flower-ornamented iron balconies on the exterior and this amazing grand staircase inside, which extends all 12 floors. So if you look at pictures of the interior, granted right now it looks horrible because it's been under construction for like 10 years, but it has this like gorgeous staircase and kind of it's like lit almost by stained glass. It's beautiful. Oh, now I want to, I wish we went in. I don't know that we would be allowed in because it's, and I'll get to that, but it's been under construction for, I'm not kidding when I say eight to 10 years and was supposed to open recently and it still hasn't. Hmm. But at the time it was built, it was the tallest building in New York at 12 stories, which is crazy thinking at what New York is now. The Chelsea functioned as one of the city's first private apartment co-ops, meaning long-term rentals with the inclusion of building staff, which gave it the like hotel vibe to give it a very very brief history the chelsea was incredibly successful in its first few years attracted artists writers poets and musicians some of which i'll share in a minute because there are just so many incredible artists who lived in that building but then it went bankrupt when the theater district moved it then reopened in 1905 as a hotel with 250 units but there were a lot of people who still lived there because when it first opened as the co-op People lived there, and then when it went bankrupt, they still lived there, and then basically the hotel was built with the understanding that those apartment and units 
would still be occupied by long-term residents, permanent housing. It went through so many management changes and et cetera, but the tenants all remained. It no longer accepts new long-term residents and it's not really open for guests anymore or currently it's the plan is to open as a boutique nice hotel but that was it was supposed to open in 2018 the mm-hmm. renovation started in 2011 it's 2020 and it's still under construction and being renovated and apparently only 50 tenants still live inside and there have been a bunch of lawsuits because they because they own those places they like are supposed to still be able to live there but then there are some theories that the people who now own the building are trying to like kick them out so that they can have the whole building for a hotel and so like they're using construction mishaps to make living conditions really horrible for those tenants wow yeah but there are also a ton of construction delays and issues with the changing of the hotel so i wonder if it has anything to do with the ghostly residents who are like we don't like change no never yeah but it's kind of crazy there was a whole blog because there are new yorkers and and artists in general hold this hotel at such high regard because of its history and it really was this like artistic haven when it was first built and then and through the 60s and 70s so i think there's just this nostalgia around it and then thus like a fear of oh now they're trying to turn it into like a money making boutique hotel which is going to lose its charm etc etc so there are all these blogs and they have tenants who live there who are showing pictures and they post pictures of like the renovations and it looks horrendous inside and it does seem like horrible living conditions i would have thought like chelsea hotel just sounds posh doesn't it Mm -hmm. it was i think the original posh of like all these artists living mm, in this like mm-hmm. kind of collaborative like community and they'd go to each other's rooms and people were playing music all the time and painting and taking photographs and writing and oh that's so fun that. i want to live in a commune yeah it had that like laurel canyon vibe to it well that's that's bordering on cult like yeah that's true but i don't think it was that extreme okay it was new york version of that all right so during its heyday, some of the more notorious residents were Mark Twain, Dylan Thomas, Tennessee Williams, Jack Kuryak, Stanley Kubrick, Shirley Clark, Ethan Hawke, Dennis Hopper, Jane Fonda, Russell Brand, Andy Warhol, artists like the band Grateful Dead, Patti Smith, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Sid Vicious, Madonna, and it's even believed that some survivors of the Titanic stayed there for some time because it was a short distance from Pier 54 where the Titanic was intended to dock. And there's some like tragic stories that I will tell you in a little bit about that. Wow. But it really, this hotel was just like the home to so many amazing, iconic people in history. And it had this reputation as an artistic haven. And so a lot of people hold it very dear to them. And it was featured in plays, movies, songs, artwork, photographs. The hotel itself is like, as famous as the residents that used to stay in there. But it is no stranger to death. Dylan Thomas, who was the poet, was staying in room 205 when he got sick and then he went to the hospital and died a few days later of pneumonia on November 9th of 1953. And after his death, people started reporting seeing his face in and around the room he was staying in. But that wasn't the first ghost sighting to have occurred because people 
from the beginning of the building's existence in like in 1905 when it became a hotel, people were writing into local blogs, newspapers, and making reports to police to complain of seeing skeletons in their closets, literally. What? Hearing high-pitched screams and the sounds of footsteps in their rooms at night. Ugh. This yeah. doesn't sound good. No, it's just, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, uh, seeing a skeleton in your closet is kind of scary. I know. I I want a fleshy ghost. <laughs> yeah, wait, that's weird. I'm so confused by what dictates how you appear in the afterlife. I know. Do you get the choice? I don't know. I feel like you don't. But then we've read stories about ghosts that do appear and can change their form and look like something that they're not. So it's like, do you have to gain points in the afterlife and like HP up to get those skills <laughs> new skill gained new skill gain outfit change you have one outfit change would you like to purchase now skeleton in-app purchases cost $1.99 <laughs> please use your thumbprint oh wait <laughs> you're dead Oy. okay let's create that app I think there's lots of money in that <laughs> then we'll really be famous with the afterlife Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so Minnesotan. Great business idea, Sabrina. (laughs) Make an app for people who will never be able to pay for it. (laughs) Make an app for the dead. Oh, my gosh. Nick is just staring at me. Oh, because I made fun of Minnesotans. When? Well, I just said, you said, oh, yeah. And I said, you sounded so Minnesotan. Oh, I just skipped over it. I feel like we make fun of Nick for (laughs) for so much that I don't even (laughs) register when it happens. Oh, Nick. <laughs> he doesn't even need to be featured on the podcast. We talk about him enough. He he enters the room <laughs> when needed. Okay, so then all of these reports of ghost sightings and stuff only intensified after one more very famous tragedy. Hotel Chelsea is known as the place where the tragic murder of Nancy Spungen took place. Nancy was found stabbed to death on October 12th, 1978, in the room she was staying in with her boyfriend, Sid Vicious, who was in the band Sex Pistols. So shortly after discovering Nancy's body, Sid was arrested for the crime, and he claimed to have been under the influence of a heavy drug cocktail, which obviously is not a valid excuse. And he was in prison and awaiting trial, but apparently had died from a heroin overdose before the trial ever went or before the case ever went to trial. So scary. Yeah. And so there are a few theories as to why Sid stabbed Nancy, one being that they had this suicide pact or that Sid didn't murder her at all and some stranger wandered into the room. But I mean, granted, there was no trial. So like there's no definitive verdict, but I'm going to say like they were both on drugs and apparently reports say that they had been on like a bender the past like four days before her death they were kind of in like this drug fueled fog people said that they also already had a vile like violent and volatile relationship that bordered on abusive so it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they got into an argument and sid snapped and stabbed her that's really too bad yeah it's kind of giving me the uh Hotel Cecil American Horror Story version vibes. Yes, it totally is that. It's the East Coast version of that. Right. But not as dark. I think, I mean, there's a lot of dark things that happened there, but I think there's a there's a strange positivity to the Hotel Chelsea, and I think it's mm-hmm. just because of the environment that was cultivated there. Okay. And there's this thing uh, I'll mention later, but 
there's this belief that there's something beneath the building, like a portal of sorts that kind of cultivated the creativity and, and the inspiration there. And that people, it was almost like a, like a well of creativity that people, when you went there, absorbed the energy and then created beautiful masterpieces and artwork and writing and stuff. Well, now I'm getting down a dark hall vibes. That's also very possible. <laughs> <laughs> a little combo platter. A, little, a nice little combination. Mm-hmm. Over here, two girls, one ghost. <laughs> <laughs> we have it all. So there are reports that both Nancy and Sid's spirits haunt the Chelsea. Sid is said to linger in the hotel elevator, which is quite unsettling. Ooh, I don't like that. No. I didn't realize that that was, could be a possibility until you said it right now. I just imagine getting into an elevator and then there's someone standing in the corner and then all of a sudden it starts moving and then the lights in the elevator turn off and you look behind you and the guy's like turned around and is like facing the corner. Ew! And he's like rocking back and forth. Uh, Blair Witch Project. It will never leave our brains. Yes. And then there's another ghost. Oh, wait, no. But Nancy, okay, so back to Nancy and said, Nancy's okay. ghost is said to roam the room and hallway where she was murdered and people hear screams and they attribute it to Nancy's death and possibly a residual energy. But those are the screams that people have called the police reporting screams because they're terrified of what's mm. happening. And then people have come, police have come and they find nothing. So they attribute it as a residual haunting from Nancy. Wow. Another ghost that's rumored to haunt the Chelsea is that of a woman named Mary. And like I said before, the Chelsea is believed to be a hotel where survivors of the Titanic stayed after they were recovered. And Mary is believed to be one of those survivors. There's two versions of the story. There's one that she was a survivor and was recovered from the sinking boat, brought to the hotel, stayed there, and because of all the chaos when the survivors were found like she her husband wasn't amongst the survivors and she was terrified that he didn't survive and she waited a few days at the hotel trying to wait and hear news of her husband's life or death but after time she started to realize that he had deceased amongst many others on the titanic oh sometimes i forget that the titanic was a real thing just because i know it's just so tragic it's so so tragic and another version of the story is that Mary's husband was traveling on the Titanic and she was in New York already and he was going to meet her. And so she was staying at that hotel waiting for him and then got the news that he had died. Either way, she was staying at the hotel and became very, very distraught and depressed upon learning of her husband's death. Of course. And she was unable to move on and apparently died by suicide by hanging in her room on the fifth floor. Oh, poor girl. I know. And that is often where her spirit can be seen. And she appears behind people in mirrors, mm-hmm. and which is terrifying. And she can be heard weeping behind closed doors. No, at least give her some peace. I know. It's very sad. And although... Her story is tragic. Mary does not get along with the living. And she thinks the living are an annoyance. Sorry, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> so she's kind of like, get out of my way. And she will make her position very clear on that. And she's uh, she's also the most often spotted spirit. So it's interesting. It's like, if you think the living are annoying, then why do you keep appearing to us and then doing these things to like 
taunt humans. Yeah, girl, you can go anywhere in this hotel. These people are stuck in the room that they were given by hotel mm-hmm. staff. Yeah. And she, one, so one of her most famous encounters is with a celebrity. His name, it's an actor. His name is Michael Imperioli, who was on The Sopranos. And he was staying there in 1996. And he told this story on Celebrity Ghost Stories in 2010. In 2010. He said he was living at the Chelsea for two months and he was put up on a in a room on the eighth floor. And one night while going to his room, he saw a figure of a woman at the end of the hall and she was tucked into the corner and hunched over her head down and he heard her crying. Mm. And so he was rightfully concerned and starts slowly approaching this woman and he calls out to her and he's like, are you okay? Do you need any help? And right after he said that, he heard a loud pop behind him and he turns, he spins around, and he sees, like, right above his head, the light fixture had been completely blown out and shattered. And then all of a sudden, like, the lights all around him just go out. And so he's, like, painted in darkness. And so chilled, he turns back to the woman, and she was gone. And he's like, oh, my God, okay, this is terrifying. So he starts walking back to his room, and she appears in front of him and, like, basically, like, screams. Oh, God. <laughs> and then disappeared again. Oh, why so she enjoys taunting the living i guess or okay this is really sad and i don't like it but Mm -hmm. there's a world in which she's just stuck mourning her husband Mm -hmm. and always in pain and if that's the case i too would hate the living oh i know everyone else gets to move on with their lives everyone else gets to find joy and find love again and Mm -hmm. work on themselves and she's just there that's awful someone needs to go help her corinne are you up for the task sabrina is this gonna be our first ghost adventure (laughs) oh my gosh that'd be really fun what if we became full-on ghost hunters that just had no idea what we were doing we just walked in and we're like it's okay girl move on (laughs) (laughs) the worst show on television (laughs) oh gosh i that actually sounds like fun we should bring and Jerry then, from Cheer and he can mat talk all of the ghosts into the afterlife. Jerry is my favorite. Yes! Go to the light! <laughs> you can find it! Go, go! You get it! You're doing so good! I love your white dress! Yes, girl! <laughs> oh my god. Cheer Jerry. featuring ghosts. That is a show I want to watch. <laughs> I would so watch that. <laughs> how do we make this happen Let's i don't know a call with my agent i haven't even seen all of cheer i saw two episodes and i couldn't you handle it because it i fell so deeply in love with jerry and i asked my roommate i was like is an adult able to adopt another adult because i feel like i need to help him <laughs> you need to keep watching you need to keep okay. watching i'm super invested in jerry's life I'm invested in all of their lives. I follow them on Instagram now. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that too after I finish it. It's really, really good. It's only six episodes. Back to back to the cheerless to version the of the Chelsea Hotel. Yes. No, 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 no. So another ghost at the Chelsea, her name is Nadia. And Nadia grew up in the hotel. She was the daughter of a wealthy silk merchant. And their entire family lived in a very nice suite of rooms at the hotel. And Nadia aspired to be an artist but then she met this kind of lesser coming came from a lesser background 
musician and she fell madly in love with him and she and her and this man ran away from home so like her wealthy family kind of disowned her and was like mad at her for leaving and they're like you have this inheritance and you gave that up for a man yada 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 she gets married to this man and has two kids with him but very very quickly he started turning to the bottle and became dependent on alcohol Mm. and within a few years he lost his job hit rock bottom and left nadia to tend to her family by herself and which just kind of didn't contribute to their family at all and so coming from her rich family she turned to daddy and pleaded to help for him to help her family and asked like she was basically asking for forgiveness and asked if he'd welcome her back into the hotel and give her a place to live wait her dad children Mm -hmm. she asked her dad if he'd Sorry, I got confused. For some reason, my brain wouldn't take in the word daddy. I know. It was weird. I don't know why I said it that way. Daddy. (laughs) Daddy. Daddy. That's just how I imagined it. Like Veronica or Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. Oh, yes. Daddy, I want the golden egg. I want to be back with the money. Yes. So she granted she, you know, she was in a very, really tough position. She turns to her father and her dad, who was like still mad at her, wanted to say no, but Nadia was his little girl, and so he was like, yes, you can return to the Chelsea under one condition. And that condition was that Nadia had to be responsible for all housework, all cleaning, all sewing, and was required to contribute money to the family income. I respect I respect her dad. Yes. Like, you can come back, but you have to, you, have to, you know, contribute to the family here. Yes. No it does free sound, rides. Yes. It does sound like he had a good intention, but I think he went a little overboard with what she then had to do because she became almost a servant to the family and oh. and kind of had to then started like sewing things and being an industrial, like she had to put out so much to sell in order to make money for her family. And so she was working to the bone Oh, and it became too much for her to handle and her hands ached. And I'm sure there were other things that were happening with her family and probably her husband, who was an alcoholic. But one night she had take she was like, I've had too much. I can't take it anymore. I can't do all of this work. I can't handle it. And so she placed her right hand in the middle of these huge industrial scissors that were used to cut bolts of cloth. And she closed her scissors on her hand Ooh, and no. severed her right hand from her body. Oh, God. Oh, God. Can you imagine just mentally where you have to be to be able to do that? Yeah. And it's believed that she only intended to sever her hand as a desperate act to like end all this housework and all of like the stuff that she was doing. Right. But then was in terrible, terrible pain from doing that, that she apparently jumped from her window out onto the 23rd Street sidewalk where she died. And this is actually pretty tragic because... Nadia's spirit can be seen roaming outside of the Chelsea and apparently is like is trying to get back into the building but can't and she's desperate she'll she'll pass people she's missing her right hand and she'll plead for people to let her into that building but she's never been able to get in which is so interesting because it makes me wonder it makes me wonder wonder why she can't back get back into that building if spirits are able to roam freely granted I don't know if that's true but like why is it that she can't go back into that building? Is right. it her family was so upset that something happened? Either they like, not a curse, but their energy of 
anger and sadness kind of blocks her from getting in? Or is it her own baggage, something that she hasn't dealt with that prevents her from going in? Yeah, that's really, that's interesting. I don't know. It's, I don't have an answer, but it, it almost it's, feels it's like interesting though. some sort of divide between her and her family and like conflicting energies. Or maybe right. it's less of she can't go in and more of like she's feel fearful to ever enter, fear of what her family will do. Right. But it does feel like something's physically preventing her from it if she's begging to get inside. True. Then there is another ghost who honestly sounds like a good old time and no one really knows who he is, but he's called Larry the Hipster Ghost. Hmm. He apparently loves to talk, is very, very vocal. And anytime any spiritual investigators or mediums go to the Chelsea and they try to contact any number of the spirits that are there that they know are there, Larry just like cuts the line and is like, hey, I'm Larry. And (laughs) (laughs) I already like Larry. I know. And he loves to talk and he loves to share his story, except for no one totally knows where he's from or or what his background is or how he got into the hotel. And people are also like, maybe he's not even someone who died in the hotel. He just came here, which I'm sure makes Nadia very angry because she's like, oh, so you can just walk in here. (laughs) But he loves the Chelsea so much. So every time he talks, he is like, this hotel, let me tell you all about it. The Chelsea is amazing. And I have a critical message to tell you about the Chelsea. And he's like, this is another world. Everything in the Chelsea is so real. And there is something underground the hotel and a power that is the genesis of the Chelsea Hotel's creative power. And he's just very enthusiastic why is everyone not listening to everything that guy says he's probably the guy who in his life he was like i believe in spirits and i just wish one spirit would just tell us what was going on and then he (laughs) vowed to be that spirit and now he is and no one's freaking listening we're listening larry we're We're listening listening. larry tell us we will bring our microphones to the chelsea and you can tell us everything we'll put you on air Yes, I may I may be really scared when it happens. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't hear it as it's happening, but when we listen back, when we're in the safety of somewhere not haunted, we will hear it. Perfect. Okay, okay. I don't know why I said it like that. Okay. So there are also so many other firsthand experiences at the hotel, like lights turning on and off, guests returning home to find the faucets on and water overflowing in the sinks, and guests with weird feelings and there's this one guest in particular who had a weird feeling that something was looking at her from the closet even though there was nothing she couldn't like when she physically was looking at the closet she didn't see anything but she felt like something was watching her from the closet Mm, okay so she took a photo of the closet and in the photo is this strange figure that many people say looks like a skeleton but truthfully it kind of looks like a cartoon dog to me so i don't totally know what it is or if it was like put in there after the fact Hmm. but anyway it's a famous photo from the chelsea hotel that is claimed to be a skeleton in the closet skeleton sorry i'm just googling i can send it to you i have it i'll i'll just text it to you no then it would live on my phone forever (laughs) okay that is scary wait will you send it to me i can't find it (laughs) (laughs) there are so many like faked photos on google images and i don't think i was descriptive enough in my search let's see how fast the satellites work here we go got it wow that was quick like doesn't it kind of look like a cartoon dog it's supposed to be a skeleton 
Yeah, I don't totally see that. I don't know what. I don't know. Also, it's a really weird closet. It's like, oh, it's like behind the closet almost. I honestly can't tell at all. It kind of looks to me like a teddy bear that's facing sideways. Yeah. And that's if like my brain really pieces the everything together. It's hard because it's so dark. Right. But it totally, I mean, it looks like something, but I just can't tell if it's altered in any way. Yeah, it's something. I just don't know what. We'll share it on social medias for people to help us with. Any who's it, what's it going on. There's another story. Uh, During a visit to the legendary hotel, one guest had a very unsettling experience. She was sitting in her room just, you know, hanging out. And all of a sudden she hears footsteps outside her door. And they like started out very faint, but then they started going like really hard and thumping. And she was just like, someone is standing outside my door thumping back and forth. Like, that's really weird. So she like goes and opens the door and nothing's there. The hallway is completely empty. And the sound stops. So she closes her door again and immediately the footsteps start up again and even louder. So quickly she opens the door again and again, nothing's there. And so she was like, this is weird. She calls her friend who's staying on a floor above her or two floors. She's staying on a different floor. She calls her friend and she's like, are you hearing weird things? Like, I don't know what's happening. And the friend came to her room to check it out and was like, it was probably nothing like some, or maybe it was just someone being bored and like running through the hallway real quick. And so the friend leaves and she's like, okay, yeah, it probably was nothing. And she starts to take a shower and the shower water would go from like scalding hot to cold to scalding hot to cold and it wouldn't stay one way. And so she gets out of the shower and she's like super frustrated and annoyed. And then she goes to go to her friend's room, but her keys, wallet, and phone are all missing. She can't find them. And so she like leaves the room, goes to her friend's, and when she comes back to her room, her keys, wallet, and phone, which had been previously missing, are packed in her bag what? as if the ghost is like, leave. So she decides, I am going to leave because she was like, she came back into her room, sees that her phone and everything are packed in her bag. And she immediately gets this like deep chill, like a sharp gust of wind goes through her. And she was just like, I need to leave. So she packed her bags. And as she was leaving, the room immediately felt better. All like her nausea nausea that she had and the cold chills and all of the unsettling feelings are gone. So some ghosts did not want her in that room. Wow. Another and the last more terrifying story that I have is from someone named Chris. And I found this in the comments section of a random article about the Chelsea. And she was like, I had a gnarly ghost story and linked her story. And I was so glad that I did it because it's scary. So her name was Chris and her friend was a film producer who grandfathered an apartment on the 10th floor and was a long-term resident of the Chelsea. And he had like a roof deck and he had inherited this property from his mother who lived there in the 60s and 70s. And so one day Chris's friend and his wife were like going out of town and he asked Chris if Chris could come and stop by and feed the cat. And and Chris was more than welcome to hang out if he wanted, if she wanted And so Chris and her friend one night decide to like grab some Prosecco and pate and cheese and go up to the roof and enjoy it. And they go up there. The roof is very interesting. It's dark and has all these like brambling towers and has twisty little like walkways and old doorways to rooftop apartments. So it's really dark and has lots of shadows and at night can be kind of creepy. But so they go up there and all of a sudden Chris's friend 
gets like really weird and looks at Chris and is like, I don't feel right. And Chris is like, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, I don't know. I can't explain it. And then they get closer and closer to the spot where they're going to set up all their stuff, which is up on the roof by the edge of the roof. And all of a sudden Chris's friend goes, did you hear that? And Chris is like, what did I hear? What? And Chris's friend explains that she is hearing a man's voice whispering to her, jump, jump, go on, jump. You'll be fine. Go ahead. Jump. That's so aggressive. Chris's friend, when this entity or something was whispering all these words to her, she had the feeling and like desire to jump. And they were both really shaken by it and decided to move away from the edge of the roof. And that's when they saw a dark shadow hiding by a chimney stack. And at first they were like, oh, maybe we're just seeing things. But then all of a sudden the shadow moved and kind of started chasing towards them. And they sprinted out of there. They're like, no, thank you. And as they left the roof and went down past the 10th floor and everything, it all subsided. Everything went away. So after their experience, Chris spoke to her friend who lived there. And her friend told her of the gray man that haunts the 10th floor and apparently is known for hiding in the stairwells and for creeping on people and whispering things and, and taunting people and tempting them to jump. Wow. And intrigued chris did some research trying to figure out who this man was and she found a story of a man named lee crabtree who was a composer who apparently jumped from the roof of the chelsea when he lost all of his inheritance so she was wondering is the gray man lee or is lee a victim of the gray man that's what i was just thinking yeah and there's a psychic named gabrielle marchisio who says that the hotel's ghosts have been very upset by this construction and renovations and they're against it turning into a luxury inn and that when the sixth floor unit was demolished, all these invisible forces began cracking the glass and doors along the hallway and they think that this is a portal for another world and that the Chelsea and the spirits inside of it don't want it to be turned into a nice luxury inn that loses its charm. Oh, wow. But yeah, still currently under construction and not open for people to go in and visit. Jeez, um, well, good thing we didn't try to pop in. <laughs> but there are people who still live there, so there's got to be a way in. That's that's interesting. Chelsea Hotel, but really long-term residence house. Yeah. And it, it's still, is it still kind of like that creative co-op style living well i think there are only about 50 tenants who still live there and a lot of them probably have moved out because of the construction but they've all kind of inherited the apartments or have had them in their families or lives for a really long time Mm. so i don't know that they're all artists but i think that's what people are upset about is that if it turns into a luxury hotel it will lose that and it won't be this kind of haven for artists and creativity but um who knows? Yikes. There's so much happening there. Mm-hmm. There's good. There's bad. There's funny. There's scary. There's people whose lives were taken. They're victims. Yeah, there's a lot. Skeletons in the closet. That is more more meaning now, knowing all the spirits uh-huh. that are there. So wild. Oh, my goodness. Man, New York is haunted as hell. Yes. Also, apparently, you wouldn't like it right now because apparently the plumbing is so, so, so terrible that like weird stuff comes back up it's like really dirty like all the water is like brown nope no thank you i do not want to bother with that because you care about hygiene i care about hygiene 
Um, before I get into my episode, my episode, your my, episode, my uh, story for this episode, have you seen the show Lock and Key on Netflix? I have not. It is by Stephen King's son. Is it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Didn't know that. Yep. He created it. Uh, I have not watched it yet, but I've I've heard mixed things. Mixed things. Okay. Well, originally I was a little nervous to watch it because when I just watched the preview, I was like, I'm getting haunted, haunting of the Hill House meets Narnia meets, uh, I don't know, like us. And I was freaked out by the, by the introduction trailer that Netflix had included. But I mm-hmm. started it and I'm two episodes in and it attracted even my parents. They trickled into the room and sat down and started watching, which they oh. don't often do. It's very goosebumps. So it's more like, teen oriented i guess oh that's fun so i really like it but it's like it's definitely more i I don't know like a a riverdale and goosebumps type of show oh oh that's a cool combo yeah okay i'll i'll give it a try what are the mixed two people do people want it to be like a serious serious show yeah i just heard that it yeah that it wasn't what they expected and that it's not as good as they wanted it to be but i'm i am open the trailer makes it look like you're gonna shit yourself watching watching yeah television show but i didn't want that and so i was a little bit hesitant and i started it during (laughs) the daytime and it was exactly what i needed which is what i was hoping it to be there you go which is much more like it's like the show that you're gonna put on and watch with your 14 year olds or whatever when to get in like the halloween spooky season spirit okay I'll watch it. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm only two episodes in, but I like it. There's another show. Actually, it's a Stephen King book that was turned into a show called The Outsider. I want to start watching that. I just need to read all the Stephen King books. How about that? I haven't even read one. Oh, that's what I should have started reading. I started reading a different book today and I'm not loving it. Oh, really? You should switch to this book. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Marissa told me to read it and I finally did. So freaking good. Will you text that to me? Yes, I will. Like right now. Yeah. And also, uh, I have heard that some people, let me text it to you right now as I talk. <laughs> I was like, we're going to forget and I'm never going to get that name again. No, I'm going to, I'm going to try to both type and talk at the seven, <laughs> at the seven times. See, I'm already screaming seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I have seen on our Facebook page and just on Instagram that people are like, hey, you guys should get a Goodreads account so that we can follow you. Sabrina and I both have Goodreads. So if you just, look us up you can see what we're reading what we've already read um and we're both in the two girls one ghost but i'm not good at keeping up with that i am okay i very much like i have a hundred unread text messages right now if i'm not answering those there's no way i'm posting on goodreads that's funny because i'm glad that you have your priorities straight i do not i ignore my text messages but i update my books (laughs) (laughs) i just don't do anything I'm just like, I get home, I'm like, Leia, please save me from the world. Well, you can ask Leia to save you from this hotel that I'm going to tell you about. I'm so excited about this. All right. In the Lower East Side of New York City is a neighborhood called Bowery. And the Bowery is, or Bowery, I don't know if it has a the in the beginning, but I was in California, so the 405, I'm going to put the <laughs> in front of things now. Bowery is a tiny little neighborhood right next to Little Italy and NoHo. So it's like just to the right of that, like right above 
Chinatown, mm. if you're kind of trying to picture it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hotel inside of this tiny little neighborhood is a hotel called the Bowery Hotel. And the hotel is known for being very swanky, very stylish. It hosted many, many celebrities. And what really draws attention to this hotel, at least for people like you and I, is its reputation for being one of the most haunted stays in the city. Ooh. So the hotel itself is surprisingly actually not that old. I really very much thought like it was going to be like an 1820 build or something like that. But mm. it was uh, – it's pretty pretty dang new. So th- the building itself was recently designated as the Bowery State and National Register of Historic Places District. But the hotel nice. was designed by Matt Markowitz and built between 2002 and 2004. So super – Oh, it's really new. Super baby new for haunted hotels in New York City. Baby new. So I like that. A little bit confusing because if you just walk down the street and happen upon this hotel, on the upper right-hand corner of the north facade, there's a sign that says the date 1954. So you assume when you walk by that the hotel was built in 1954, but yeah, tis not. misleading. Totally misleading. The hotel was constructed in between 2004 and 2000, I mean 2002 and 2004. Before it was a hotel, it had been a garage and parking lot. But even before then, before it was a garage, the property had housed Dry Dock Savings Bank, which was built in 1875. This was the OG building on this lot. It was built in a Ruskinian Gothic style, which I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, what is that? And I looked it up. So beautiful. It was this style that was really popular in the mid to late 19th century, and it was part of this Gothic revival period, and it was named after the guy who created it, Ruskin. Oh, that's cool. Something Ruskin. But so beautiful, so, like, elaborate and detailed and just, like, I don't know, it's almost like Gothic meets um, light. (laughs) Almost like it's not super freaky. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it, but it it was so, just look it up. It's really pretty. Okay, I'll look it up. So when this building went in, when the uh, Dry Dock Savings Bank went up and was constructed in 1875, everyone was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Let's all talk about it. This is really enhancing the neighborhood, talk of the town. This is the ornament of New York. So everyone was so loving it. And the unfortunate thing is that it was this beautiful, beautiful building and everyone really thought the neighborhood was going to be up and coming now. However, while it was operating as a bank, the neighborhood started to shift and the Bowery neighborhood became kind of like a hodgepodge of bars and shops, mm. but like cheap entertainment. There was a lot of flop houses. There was uh, methadone clinics. There was a lot of just like seedier parts of the neighborhood and, and criminals coming in, et cetera, et cetera. Um. And then in 1916, new express train tracks were built in the neighborhood. And then that just made it decline at an even faster rate. So now it was like people had access to just kind of come in and go as they pleased. And it just like wasn't doing well. And then come 1954, this beautiful bank, it just bulldozed or like wrecking ball to the ground it's torn to the ground to make way for this garage and gas station that it had become prior to becoming uh the bowery hotel boo boo uh but this happened in 1954 which is why the Uh. number 1954 is part of the building structure oh that's cool it's like paying homage to the destruction of something beautiful a little homage i guess but the neighborhood itself, though, was not a safe place to live. 
Bowery was comprised of, like I said, methadone clinics. It had a lot of gang violence. There was a notorious gang in that area operating out of Bowery called Bowery Boys. And there were just a lot of like deaths. There were murders. Uh, and one notable murder that contributes to the bad energy and hauntings in some of these places surrounding the hotel was the murder of Annie Moore. So back in 1906, there was a brothel right near the now Bowery Hotel called Suicide Hall. That was the name of the... That was what it was called? That was the name of the brothel. I don't know why. Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. Probably the Bowery Boys. (laughs) Who knows? I'm sure that they had a hand in that. But Annie Moore, she was a sex worker. She was uh, 50 years old and was operating out of the brothel. And in 1906, her throat was slashed and her body was mutilated by an (gasps) unknown attacker no and i'm gonna read an excerpt from the newspaper that was about her murder reported after her murder and this is a trigger warning because it's somewhat graphic it's actually pretty quite disturbing a a lot of the details in it and i'm talking right now to buy everybody time to go (laughs) grab your phone and skip forward one minute if you don't wish to hear this and here i go okay this is from the newspaper new york August 28th, a woman known as Mrs. Annie Moore was found murdered earlier today in a furnished room at 6 Second Street. She had been horribly ripped and slashed. One gash had severed her jugular vein in the left side of her throat and had almost severed her windpipe. The breast was badly slashed and a deep knife cut had thrust and ripped open her body, disemboweling it. No. No weapon was found and there were few blood marks around the room. James Moore, who had posed as the woman's husband, was held by the police on suspicion. It was he who had notified the police of the murder. He ran up to two detectives on 2nd Street and Bowery, which is literally 10 feet from where the Bowery Hotel is, at 2 o'clock in the morning, and told them that he had just gone home and found his sister-in-law dead. The woman, he said, was a widow of his brother who died 10 years ago. The woman was 50 years old. The horrible wounds on the woman's body were called at once to the minds of the officers, the doctors, who were called to the Jack the Ripper murders some years ago. Three life insurance policies were found in the room. They were issued by the Prudential Company on May 1st, 1906, and one of them for $275, which is in today's money just under $8,000, was on the life of the woman and made payable to the prisoner. Oh. So basically it sounds like this guy did it, but he was never tried. It was her brother-in-law. And he said that he'd been like living with her for seven years and posed as her husband. But mind you, he had uh, his own wife and two children right nearby. But whether or not he's he committed the crime or not, all of this was happening. Things weren't getting solved. Police were like super overwhelmed with the amount of crime that was going on. This investigation itself was super rushed and just like hastily moved through. And her murder is unsolved. And so it's thought that like... Yeah, it's unsolved. They've never closed the case. They, I mean, of course, he was the main suspect, but I believe he's the only suspect. And had he not himself run up to cops and said, hey, yo, I just found someone known to me murdered in this room, then right. they wouldn't have had any suspect at all. So, But he wasn't convicted of it. So he wasn't convicted of it. He so like got to walk away free. You know, like that, that newspaper article definitely makes him look a, a bit guilty. Yeah. But regardless, the point is, is just like all of these things were happening, these awful, awful murders and just people were not in good health and in good conditions. And there wasn't much that the police could do at the time. They were just super overwhelmed. Damn. They didn't have the resources. And it's the brutality 
it, it reminds me a little bit of like the Black Dahlia murder just in terms of how brutal it was. Yeah. But also like the fact that he like posed as her husband is so weird and very suspicious. It is weird. It's like he maybe he said it because he thought he would look suspicious if he were just like I'm the brother-in-law, but he just I mean they they're going to find out. Mm. Yeah. Weird. But it's all there's just so much going on and actually if anyone's read Malcolm Gladwell's book, his new book Talking to Strangers, the Bowery reminds me a lot of they were talking about crime and how crime is often subject to like basically like a half mile or like mile block of crime. And the Bowery was just that. It was like this one little pocket of just like high, high crime. Weird. So uh, there was so much going on and the neighborhood didn't really start turning around until the 1970s. And even then, it only really became this sort of like chic place, this place all the hipsters wanted to hang at in the more recent years. So like maybe in the past decade or two. And the Bowery Hotel opened its doors in 2007, so it was, like, built up until 2004, and then uh, there's a gap. I don't know what happened. Um, But according to articles, it opened its doors in 2007 alongside of a restaurant, Gemma, a part of the uh, hotel, or it's seated in the hotel, which is a local hotspot for Italian food. The hotel attracted all of the trendy people, the locals, the hipsters, everybody throughout New York City because... It has beautiful architecture. The layout is so wonderful. I was so cruising and like addicted <laughs> to the photos when I was looking at everything. It is so gorgeous. I was like, I love fuck, I don't care if it's haunted. I'm going. That's how I felt about the Chelsea. Oh, uh, yes. I also think I've heard of the Bowery. Look. You probably have. And I'll tell you why. If I may sing you a song, <laughs> there is a song called It Ain't Me by Kygo and Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the lyrics, Selena Gomez sings, I had a dream. We were sipping whiskey neat. Highest floor, the Bowery. Nowhere is high enough. Oh. Uh, uh, Bowery. Uh, uh, Bowery. I don't know the words, but she talks about the Bowery, or her and Kygo do. Oh, that's cool. Oh, my God. It's so pretty inside. It's so pretty. There are these beautiful iron gates. There's mosaic tiles. The hotel bar is decorated all 1920s. It's Art Deco style. So think like, if someone doesn't know Art Deco, it's it's think like bougie Gatsby era bar. And there's this beautiful outdoor courtyard where people drink cocktails and they mingle. And it's so pretty. And I was like, I could so see myself having some Merlot over there. There's a glass of rosé, some some tagliatelle. I don't know. I just envisioned myself living there. Leia likes it too. Yeah, it's so, so pretty. Uh, The lobby has dark wood paneling and exotic carpets. It has antique armchairs. There's floor-to-ceiling windows. So it's like super, super pretty. And you kind of feel like you're set back in time going through it. Like I feel like I'm a bougie Hollywood movie star just from looking at the photos. Oh, my God. I'm literally – dragging and dropping a bunch of these photos to my dream board no to my desktop because i need to decorate my wedding venue like this oh yeah you should it's gorgeous oh it's so pretty gorgeous gorgeous also sabrina in napa there's a murder mystery dinner train and they have a harry potter themed one (gasps) like two weeks before your wedding okay bachelorette 
I know. The only thing is the tickets just for the dinner are $400 a person. Because I, I already looked. Trust me. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. But for anyone else, if other people are in the area, too, and are curious about it and have $400 to spend on on a three-hour train ride and murder mystery dinner, it is two weeks before Sabrina's wedding, which is on Halloween. So two wow. weeks before Halloween. I need to do that. I know. I want to do it still. <laughs> I'm looking that up too now. Yeah, look it up. But anyway, so like the Bowery Hotel now is just so beautiful. It attracts a ton of people there, including a lot of celebrities. It's in the freaking song. Johnny Depp's been seen there. Just I could name like 10 other people, but I won't because this isn't about them. They already <laughs> are famous. The Bowery is um, a very awesome spot, but there's something else there on the property, something or someone that is believed to kind of be interfering with some of the peace of this building. So since its opening, the hotel and the owner has had some bad luck. So first, a knife fight occurred on the street right outside of the hotel just after it opened. And so like, that's not the best of luck. However, again, the neighborhood was was not as uh, maybe gentrified as it is now. I believe there was right across the street, the owner said that as he opened the doors back in 2007, there was a Salvation Army and Methadone Clinic across the street. So there wasn't, there shouldn't be that much of a surprise that maybe I wouldn't blame ghosts for there being a knife fight outside when there are people that are suffering from drug addiction right right on the street outside. And then the business partners got in a huge disagreement and it's resulted in a lawsuit which is also not good. And some say, you know, that's just the price of business. But other people are like, no, there's a poltergeist. There is a poltergeist in the Bowery Hotel. And the poltergeist is believed to reside in room 14, which also happens to be the penthouse. There in the penthouse is, uh, you have your own private entrance. The room includes a cozy fireplace. There's an outdoor terrace. There's plenty of room to host functions. Like this place must be huge because they were like, oh yeah, people have photo shoots in them. People have after parties to like, huge events there's galas there's weddings like popular wedding venue so cool so cool and so everyone's like it's a poltergeist but i'm like hmm is it a poltergeist or is it just a regular old ghost because (laughs) visitors have seen objects move around and lights have flickered and that kind of seems a bit benign for just paranormal activity in uh, the penthouse i don't think that that's necessarily poltergeist activity but here's what really freaks me out so the elevators quote go berserk every morning at 1 a.m. So they just uh, imagine imagine coming home at 1 a.m. and you just went to like dinner and a show or you know two girls one ghost live show and, and then some pizza <laughs> Stayed after out late. yeah or something and then whatever you're doing in New York you head back to your hotel the Bowery and you call for the elevator except the elevators are not listening and they're choosing to answer only to the ghostly residents over the living guests that is what happens to so so many people and then let's say you do manage to call the elevators and they come down and they grab you and they deliver you to your floor and you pop out into the hallway and you start you know you reorient yourself you start moving in the direction of your room when you spot a lady in white drifting through the hallways. Ooh. Or maybe you don't catch her in the hallway. Maybe you open your room and she's standing right there. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's what happens in the Bowery Hotel to some of the guests. 
Guests have reported also fully speaking to people who they believe are other guests or just people at the hotel, only to have the person vanish in front of them like mid-sentence while they're talking to them. Oh. Another guy was sitting alone at the bar when his beer glass was pushed and spilled all over him. And he was alone. So who doesn't like him? Who would do that? Yeah. So, I I mean, thinking about the history, in the actual property itself, not much craziness happened, but it really was what was happening around it. So it's the neighborhood. The neighborhood, the neighbors are the reason for the Bowery Hotel being so haunted. So I wanted to explore a couple of the spots, haunted spots that are like five-minute walking distance, basically, from the Bowery Hotel. Love it. Okay, so right next door to the building is a New York marble cemetery, and it has over 2,000 graves. The cemetery is the final resting place of some well-known New York City figures, and some of the oldest graves are now underneath the Bowery Hotel itself. Oh. So it's quite literally now like on top of graves. And then close by, there is the St. Mark's Church where Peter Sturvesant's probably saying his name wrong his spirit remains there and he was the city's last dutch director general in the late 1600s so he's an old 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 soul and apparently he's quite cranky in his current condition or i guess the condition of his neighborhood um because he stomps around and he rings the bells and he disrupts the (laughs) quiet of the church however he balances that out with some wonderful singing he enjoys a good tune And then another building uh, close by is an old apartment building located at 266 Bowery, which is thought to be very, very haunted. Renters in this building have often seen objects move around on their own. They've reported hearing knocking on the walls. And I don't mean to escalate things, but is knocking not one of like the very first steps to a demonic presence setting up camp in a house? It's one of the signals. I feel like every exorcism case, every like demonic, dominus type episode we've done, there is always knocking on the walls. It's like the fa- and then the family heard knocking. Yeah, and they like knock back, like the three knocks. Yeah, yeah. and then two pages Ooh. later, the family is completely possessed. Wait, just thinking about this, I need to pee. Sorry, it made me pee. It's making me pee my pants because I'm scared. Okay, well then I'll I'll pee too. <laughs> okay, good. Pee time. Sorry. Oh, my God. Nick. Oh, God. Corinne, you missed it. What? Because Nick, I thought, left however long ago. But he didn't actually leave. So as I was, we were talking about the knocks and I was, like, scared and I was going out to the bathroom. I enter the hallway and he jumps out. Oh. And scared the sh- living daylights out of me. Oh, my God. Now you know how you react when you're scared. What did you do? Apparently, I had a very delayed reaction where I, like, stopped for a second, like, stood and stared at him and then said, oh, my God, Nick. <laughs> First, assess the perpetrator. Yeah. Need to know is what's the happening. perp Process. known to you? If you check yes, <laughs> is this your fiance? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Eric, if you got that on the recording, you are more than welcome to keep it in there. Whew. All right. Where were we? Demonic hauntings. Okay. The knocking. That's all I wrote down for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to do a deep dive on every single building in the neighborhood. So I just wrote down a couple highlights from each place. Oh, amazing. Great. And then the old merchant house is also right by the Bowery. 
This was once a family home, and the family had resided in the house. I'm assuming multiple generations had lived in the house for almost 100 years. And apparently, they're planning on staying for like another 100 years because visitors of the uh, old merchant house, which now operates partially as a museum, have felt spirits brush past them and have seen shadows in the mirrors. And so this entire neighborhood is totally haunted. As yeah. well as all of New York City and all of the world. But specifically, Bowery is quite, quite haunted. It's a very saturated little area of paranormal activity. And the Bowery Hotel is just there to absorb it all and take it all in. Oh, that's interesting. So if you're looking for a posh dinner and a spirit-friendly stay, visit the Bowery Hotel in New York City's Lower East Side. We should go visit. We probably can't afford to stay there, but let's go visit. It. Yeah, I, it, it was close to $400 a night for our room. I'm going to say I'll spend that $400 on my Harry Potter murder. <laughs> Prioritize there. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, no, I am I would be super down to go get a drink or just like sit in the lobby for loiter there for too long. Do our thing where we ask the waiters, have you seen any ghosts here? We hear it's haunted and they like get really weird and kind of back away and then we don't see them for an hour and we never get our drinks kind of thing yeah that's happened to us so i don't (laughs) doubt that it wouldn't happen again (laughs) or maybe they're really open about it and they're like hell yes let me tell you everything oh yes yeah would be super super fascinating and also just the outdoor patio space is so beautiful that i feel like whether or not you are looking for a spirit encounter or not at least go sit outside on the patio and enjoy a little snack or a drink or something, especially when, when the weather gets nice. Get some sun in your eyes. Next time I'm in New York, I'll do it. I'll train on down. Hogwarts Express. I have a story from Mia, who's from England, and this story is from 2018, so proof that we do read all emails. It took everything out of me to not say England in a really obnoxious, horrible English accent. Well, now I need you to Now I can't. I won't do it. I was good. You were, you restrained yourself. I, d- I did. Proud of you. Okay. So this is called The Lady in White at the End of My Bed, a haunted hotel in New York City. Mm-mm. Hi, guys. I have recently started listening to your podcast and I am hooked. The Encounters episodes are all are my all-time favorite because I love hearing other people's ghost stories and genuinely spooking myself. It would be amazing if one of my stories made it onto the podcast. Well, hey, Mia, look what's up. My story happened around six years ago when I was traveling to New York City for New Year's Eve in Times Square with my mom and her friends and their children who are around my age. I was 18 at the time. We were staying in a hotel around two blocks from Times Square and were super excited. But as soon as we got to the hotel, I felt immediately creeped out because it was super old and historic and me and my friends were joking around about it being haunted. Me, my mom, and my friend Paige were sharing one room, and the others were in a room across the hall. Fast forward to the next morning, I wake up at around 6 a.m., and Paige was on the bed next to us. Fast forward to the next morning, I wake up at around 6 a.m., and Paige, who was on the bed next to us, was nowhere to be found. It turned out she had gone to her parents' room, and for the next few days, I'd wake up around the same time, and she would be gone, and offered no explanation when we asked her why she left. On the last night of our stay, the night before New Year's Eve, I woke up in the middle of the night to loud bangs coming from the bathroom. Me, thinking it was Paige, sat up on my elbows to see what she was doing and immediately saw a woman dressed in a long white gown with long dark hair standing at the foot of my bed, 
staring straight at me. She looked like she was wearing an old-fashioned nightgown, and I remember her skin being a grayish tone, and her head was hanging down with the strands of her hair falling over it, but I could see and feel her eyes staring up at me. Ooh, it's so Samara. I threw myself down on the bed and under the covers thinking to myself, this can't be real. So I pulled the covers back to look again, and she was still there. I knew she had seen me look. Safe to say, I was terrified, got back under the blankets, and pushed myself as close to my mom as possible and hoped she'd go away, but I could feel her still staring at me. I'm sure I felt her walk around to the side of my bed, in between me and Paige. I remember thinking to myself, I always thought ghosts might be real, but I never wanted to see one. I had night terrors as a young teenager, but it felt nothing like this because in those, I was frozen and couldn't move or speak. I heard the loud bangs the rest of the night, and I must have fallen asleep somehow because when I woke up in the morning, no one was in the room with me, and I tried to forget about it and get ready for my day. While I was getting ready, my mom and her friend Nikki came into the room, and Nikki jokingly said to me, all right, who's been running around the room in a white robe in the middle of the night then? And all of the color from my face drained, and my eyes welled up with tears. She finally got me to tell my story, and then went on to tell me that Paige had seen someone walking around the room every night wearing white, usually standing over me. (gasps) Oh, my heart. That's why every morning when she got the chance, she got out of there as soon as she could. I asked her about it later that day, and we were both so scared that we wouldn't discuss it in details, but told each other what we had seen and just kind of knew we had experienced the same thing and left it at that. Sabrina, I would tell you. I would tell you if there was someone lurking over. Tell me right away. I would. I would. Like, this was happening to her the entire time that she was staying there. I would try to save you. Thank you so much, Grit. I would do the same for you. (laughs) I would probably freeze for a second, register what's happening, and then finally tell you. I'd, I'd watch it until it went away, and then the next day I'd tell you. Yeah, exactly. She said, we both experienced the same thing and left it at that. We were both so quiet for the rest of the, rest of the day, and I've only brought it up once or twice since then. Thank goodness I didn't see it until the last night in the hotel. One more thing I should tell you is that when we first got to the hotel, me and Paige were in the room across the hall, and it had what I would call a little podium or step right in corner of the room. I had stood on it and said, what would you do if you woke up in the middle of the night and saw someone standing on this watching you sleep? And that's why we decided not to take that room. I wouldn't call myself a skeptic, but I do usually try and come up for a scientific explanation to occurrences. So this makes me think maybe it was a group hallucination because of what I said, or maybe the ghost heard us and then decided to mess with us. Guess we'll never know. Love you guys and keep being spooky. Love, Mia from England. Holy crap. I wonder. I do. I hope that it's just like a ghost that normally would have been so nice and just floating on by and then was like, oh, these girls are here to get scared. I can help. I mean, the fact that they were like, imagine... If you woke up and saw someone standing and staring at you, and that's exactly what happened every single night. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It freaks me out because it's like, what do you say? Like, if you make eye contact, do you just stare until it finally goes away? Do you say anything? What if saying something provokes it? The worst thing would be like saying something and then it just very quickly goes from being a still spirit to just jumping on the bed and crawling towards you and on top of you like the old hag. Ugh, I don't feel okay right now. No. <laughs> And the fact that she felt it walk from the foot of the bed to the side of the bed and like kind of stand over her. Yeah. Ooh. Is so unsettling. And it makes 
it makes me feel like the ghost was taunting her because of what she said about waking up and seeing someone staring at you. And then two, it felt a little malevolent or it sounds like it was a little malevolent just in the way that it repeatedly did that same action every single night and chose her. Right. Every single night. You're right. It wasn't just like a one-time thing. Like her friend Paige, right, Paige saw her every single night and that's why she kept leaving. Mm. And Paige saw her, the spirit standing over Mia every single night. I would have been like, excuse me, can we change rooms? There's a ghost standing over me, breathing on me at night. Yeah, I don't like that. No, that is not good. That is really, really freaky. And I can't even imagine (laughs) what I would do in that situation. Only because like the description of the spirit too. It's not just like waking up and seeing a spirit dressed in like, I don't know, some Victorian era clothing staring out the window or like sitting Mm -hmm. in a rocking chair. It it does sound like you said it the appearance is almost like malevolent it's the intent to scare right and to just be so close to you staring at you it is really uncomfortable it kind of reminds me of last time i was home in vermont remember i said that i was in sleep paralysis and when i finally opened my eyes there was a dark something over leaning over me and then quickly went and like whipped itself back and i'm scared for you because you brought that up while you're staying there mom can you sleep with me (laughs) she had to walk me to the bathroom last night because i (laughs) my parents that used to be my job post recordings (laughs) my parents hadn't uh heard of the bridgewater triangle which to me exposed them for not having listened to all of our episodes (laughs) so I was like, let's watch the Bridgewater Triangle documentary. And so we watched it, which is on Amazon Prime, if anyone hasn't seen it oh my and wants gosh. to. But I got too scared. And so my mom had to <laughs> walk me to the bathroom and wait outside of the door while the door was like partially open. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. And now she's going to have that to That reminds me, me of childhood. And just like, I would watch, I watched, um, I can't even think, like the most simple, friendly, child-friendly show and I'd have nightmares. About, like, Clifford the Big Red Dog, I had nightmares about, and I'd have to, like, make my mom walk me to the bathroom, and I'd always sleep with the light on. Yeah, you have to. We were talking about at work with Sabrina. That's so cute. Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> he was scary. He's so big. What do you mean? He was perfect. But he was just giant, and it scared he me. He couldn't help. He was growing. I know, but it was scary to me. At work the other day, we were talking about sleepwalking, because I was talking about how I'm such a high-functioning sleepwalker. And had only realized it after I had perfectly counted out and packed nicely a set of silverware to go with me on vacation one time. Yep. But one of my coworkers was saying, and I'm going to butcher the story, but my coworker Allison was saying that her younger sister used to sleepwalk a lot when they were kids. And that (laughs) her sister was terrified of the dark so would always have to have the lights on. So every single room she went into, the lights would go on. So whenever she was moving about the house, like you'd know she was coming because there would be like a light on, then a light on, and you'd see her oh, coming. Yeah. But one night she was sleepwalking and her mom was downstairs on the uh, like couch in the living room. And in the darkness, she just hears like, drr, drr, like running, like pitter patters of feet, but no lights. Oh my gosh. Wait, scary. It's so scary. And then her child comes down, Allison's sister comes down. And this is the part that I'm going to butcher, but I believe she just walked up to her mom and just stood there kind of like smiling and staring at her. And then the mom was like, hi, are you okay? What's going on? And she was like, I'm playing a game. And then just like turned back around and ran back up. That is terrifying. How fucking scary is that? 
Oh my God, that's so scary. God, kids are so scary. I remember one time I was sleepwalking and I woke up in the middle of sleepwalking. I've never just like woken up in the middle of sleepwalking except for this one time. And I was standing in the middle of my parents' bedroom watching their TV with nothing on it. Just like staring at a black TV. That is really scary and they, as well. Yeah. And they hadn't woken up. So if they woke up, they would have seen like the backside of a small child with long hair staring into a bl- blank TV. Ooh. Kids are fucked. <laughs> Kids are terrifying. Kids are so scary. All right. What's your listener story? Okay. This is from Alicia. It's called Not a Haunted Hotel, but rather a haunted Airbnb. Hey, girls. And then she put a little ghost <laughs> emoji. So appreciated. I just started listening to you two literally two days ago. My gosh. I'm a printer, so I pop my headphones in at the beginning of my workday, and I listen to music and podcasts for nine hours. I listened to your podcast for two days straight without realizing that I was listening to episodes from 2017, so I apologize if you two have already done an episode on, on haunted hotels or Airbnbs or something of that sort. Even if we've done an episode, please send us your stories that relate to that episode. Yes, we love them all. We want to hear them. But as I was listening to your ghost stories, it made me reflect back on an experience I had that I hadn't really realized was an experience when it happened. I need to share mainly because I want to know if my feelings and experience is justified (laughs) as a haunted one. I can't say that I've had a lot of experiences with spirits because, frankly, I have not. I've been in creepy basements and I lived in a 100-year-old house, but nothing ever seemed to happen to me, ever. I'm just unlucky in that aspect, I guess. Or lucky. Or lucky. Many would say lucky. It's always the grass Mm -hmm. is greener, you know? Except for one time two years ago when I was visiting a family in the state – when I was visiting family in the state of Washington. Half of my family lives in Idaho, and my cousins live in a small town on the border of Washington and Idaho called Palouse. Palouse? It looks like Palouse. Palouse? Palouse. 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 Very cute little town. If you ever find yourself there, my cousin owns the Palouse Caboose. Oh. <laughs> well, now we know how to pronounce it. We have to go. Palouse Caboose, the best restaurant in town. Sidebar, I live in Cleveland, so the West is a bit of travel for me. There were 11 of us visiting from Cleveland, and my cousin, who lives in Palouse, had to rent out the entire hotel for us, plus one of the only Airbnbs. I stayed in the Airbnb. I'm sorry. Can I just say this town sounds like it's out of a Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> just the name yeah. itself. Like you do picture one of the Dr. Seuss trees uh-huh. just surrounding the town. Love it. I stayed in the Airbnb with my two cousins and their spouses. The Airbnb was in the basement of a house. And you accessed the Airbnb by walking in the backyard and down some steps to a patio. The house was built on a hill and the basement had its own door to the outside with windows. I remember falling in love with the old vintage feel of the home. I'll touch photographs because I know Sabrina is a cat lover and the most gorgeous cat would frequently visit us during our night stay. Thank God for that one night. Love the little kitties. <laughs> Sabrina's oh, like so jumping cute. up and down. Arms are pumping. I also remember feeling that uneasy feeling you get when you can feel a presence around you. I kept that to myself because my cousins didn't seem to feel uneasy like I'd been feeling. I slept in a twin bed on one side of the living room portion of the Airbnb and my cousin and his wife slept on the double on the other side, only a couple feet away from me. My other cousin and her husband were in a separate room, and we stayed up a little late, all of us sitting on our beds, just talking and making jokes with each other. Then it was time for lights out. 
This experience only happened minutes after we turned off the lights. I remember staring into the darkness, feeling uneasy, but just thinking it was because of this random person's basement that I was sleeping in miles and miles away from home. I was starting to feel my eyes get heavy when all of a sudden, I heard my cousin's bed move off the wall and slam back into it. Oh. I hardly reacted. My eyes opened wide and I slowly sat up, but it was too dark in the room to really make anything out. My cousin's wife sat up in the bed seconds after and exclaimed, what was that? You felt that? That's when my cousin got out of bed and turned on the light, trying to understand and come up with any logical reason for the bed to slam against the wall. I wasn't much help. I just stared at their (laughs) bed with the covers up to my chin. We all agreed it was probably a spring in the bed that broke or something of that sort. Lights went out again. Not even seconds later, I started to smell a rank smell of something rotting. No. Very (gasps) familiar to the smell of eggs or sulfur. I instantly thought about the movie The Conjuring, and I'm sure you guys know that that smell is often linked to an evil spirit being present. We know. I ignored that thought and kept quiet, honestly just afraid of embarrassing someone in case my cousins might have eaten something bad for dinner and were just (laughs) having tummy problems. (laughs) Oh. But now that I think of it, my excuses don't add up. What are the chances that a spring decides to break hours after they've been sitting on that bed, getting on and off of it again and again? And why would that broken spring move the bed outwards and then back again? And also, no fart would escape the covers and smell as putrid as it did. Sorry for that description. (laughs) The more I reflect on that memory, the more I start to wish I didn't try to ignore those eerie feelings and that i wasn't such a coward hiding under my blankets but then again i'm not trying to mess around with anything evil at least it didn't follow me home happy halloween alicia oh she sent it right before halloween but i like the i like to just think that it's always halloween yeah that that's just a inappropriate sign off for all days of the year it kind of is in our world (laughs) um okay my first thought if we're if we're looking for a logical explanation, and maybe we're not because this podcast is about ghosts, but my first thought was that it was an earthquake. Oh, because oftentimes furniture moves. Like if a bot- if a a house shakes, things can move forward and backwards, and also a lot of times there are weird smells that come after earthquakes just because the earth shifting. Sabrina, what a wonderful explanation. I don't know. Is that on the earthquake belt line? I guess Washington is above California, and California is definitely going to crust off and go into the ocean. Let me see. Palouse earthquakes. Ooh. At least I like to think, though, that the cat just visits to just make sure everyone's okay. But okay, but here's the thing, Sabrina. Why would only their bed slam and nothing else in the the apartment? Maybe just that was like the loudest thing. So everyone Maybe. reacted to that. I don't know. I wonder what the other cousins in the other room experienced. Right, if anything. You know, I don't know. I just I just, I just, just make up shit and hope someone goes with it. No, you're, this is good. You're trying to debunk <laughs> it and de-scare. De- well, this is what, why she sent it. She was like, is this, what is this? Explain it. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We'll never know. Unless she looks up earthquakes in that area on, on the that day that day. she was there. Yeah. And matches up the time, we won't know. Because, I mean, the earthquakes are reported. So she'd be able to see if that explanation adds up. And if it does, wow, what a relief. If it doesn't, uh, you fucked. Demons. Well, she's not because it was an Airbnb. But maybe the owner. I will say, though, earthquakes are just as terrifying as ghosts, in my opinion. Yes. It was at one point. Earthquakes at one point were far more terrifying to me 
than ghosts. But I think now that I live in New England, where the threat of an earthquake is far less than it was in California, I I honestly don't ever really think about them. Yeah, I, I the ones this past summer were like very very terrifying, and I was home alone, and I remember calling Nick crying, and he was out at a party, and he's like, "I'm in Colorado, I don't know how to help you." Oh, I was there for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were. You were in Palm Springs. I was in Palm Springs for one of them. That was awful. Yeah, they were super scary. And I also wonder, okay, you know my fear of driving, my fear of cars. I think I'm going to die in a car. What if it's in combination with an earthquake and all of a sudden a sinkhole appears in the middle of the road and my car goes into it and then I die? That would be quite the series of events. And that would be awful. I don't think that that will happen, though anything could happen. Exactly. (laughs) So I know that that's not reassuring. No, it's not at all, but that's okay. <laughs> I do this to myself. I create these worst case scenarios because that's just who I am. And oh, you know what's actually really funny? My The people who live upstairs who are our friends, Brittany and Evan, and we were playing a game with them the other day and we had to guess our great our partner's greatest fears. And so like for Nick, it was being alone because he has the worst FOMO in the world. And for Evan, it was like something more like physical. And then for both Brittany and I, it was really freaking dark and like getting raped or murdered. And oh, my gosh. Like and I just I think women have more fears like that. Yeah, I guess. I think. Well, and also us as people who like love true crime and are always filling our brains with the dark stuff. I feel like we always think of worst case scenarios just because we're like. I'm terrified of them, and I I want to prepare myself to get out of them if it ever happens. That's absolutely true. I saw this meme that was, like, hilarious, but also somewhat sexist, but, like, in a hilarious way. <laughs> and it, I think someone posted it, actually, on our Two Girls, One Ghost group. And we'll have to post it to our Instagram. But okay. um, it it's, like, common, like, basic female interests. And then it's, like, Fat, there's like a door to open almost like you're you're in heaven and you get to open a door to like your different <laughs> interests and it's like animals makeup fashion and then it's like true crime and then the, the the cartoon girl opens up the door and she walks in and there's all the other women in there like clapping for all of the like deepest darkest disturbing graphic details that could possibly yep. be shared yep that's the door i would pick oh yeah 100 percent that is the door I pick in life. That's what I talk about all day, every day. Because curiosity kills us. Like, yes, it would be wonderful to live in the animal door, but like... But there's just so much darkness in the world and it's better to not ignore it. Yeah. You need to prepare yourselves. Yeah. And all of you guys help us to prepare ourselves by donating to our Patreon and supporting us in so many different ways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we will see you on the other side.